This morning's scripture reading comes from John 3, 22 through 30. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but, set, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. This is the word of the Lord for us. Has anyone ever said anything uh, really profound to you that has changed the way you live, or at least the way you view yourself? You know, I was reflecting back uh, to the second time I ever had a message here at MCA, Um, And it was the night before, and I was in bed, um, going over my notes for the 337th time, um, just making sure I was ready. Um, And I remember looking over at my wife, um, and I told her, you know, honey, I'm just a little bit nervous. And she looked at me, and you know how somebody could just look at you and you just know that something really good is about to come out of their mouth? Like, they're about to say something really, really good. And it was sort of like the excitement was sort of mounting in me. Like, Raquel is going to say something really profound to me to make me relax. And I was excited. So she turned to me, and again, just lots of anticipation of the good things that she's going to share with me. And I was really excited. And she looks at me and she says, You'll do fine. But would you please stand up straight when you preach and stop slouching? It was at least unexpected. And, and you know, some of, well, some of you women are laughing because you've said something similar to your husbands before. But um, there was something really profound about what she said. And as I reflected on it, it didn't really dawn on me until life started to get a little bit more difficult for me. You see, I let her know that I was nervous, but secretly inside, I was fishing for some sort of compliment that would ease my nerves. Something that she would say to, like, make me feel better about myself. Some sort of compliment. I I even had a few ideas of what those would look like. I even had a few ideas of of the compliments that she might give me. Like, like Jeremy, after you give the sermon, everybody's going to stand to their feet and they're just going to be clapping, rejoicing for the Lord. And, and I really don't know why. Like, I, I realize now that is a really unrealistic expectation because, like, like let's get real. Like, we're a Mennonite church. Like, we just, we just don't do that. Like, I've seen us worship before, and, and it is quite amazing when we even get a heel lift out of you guys when we're worshiping. I mean, even for myself. We just, we just don't roll that way. 
But I realized that I was looking for significance. And I was looking for significance in the wrong place. The significance didn't come from what I said. But the significance comes from who we're pointing to. And just like John the Baptist, we are pointing to Jesus. So we are in a three-week or a a multi-week series on John the Baptist. And we are in week three of that series. Uh, Week one, uh, we talked about pointing to Jesus. Last week, we talked about uh, a life of purpose. And if you haven't been here for those, I would encourage you to go to our website, mcachurch.org. Um, and uh, look up those sermons to, to catch up. Uh, this week, we are talking about preparing the way. And we are going to look to see just a few ways that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus well. Um, I do have a bit of a disclaimer. My, my, my throat is a little bit dry, so we're kind of going to go on this journey together But if you would, with me, open your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Then once you're there, um, put your finger in John chapter 3 and open to Matthew chapter 3. I recently sat under some teaching that encouraged those studying the Bible. And this is specifically for preparing messages or sermons. Um, But I think it applies to all of us. I sat under some teaching about looking for the tension in the passage that you're studying, and then finding the message that it's teaching us from there. So as we read uh, a few texts together, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking for maybe some of the tension that exists within the passage, and then we're going to study what message is this speaking to us this morning. Uh, And we are going to start in John chapter 3, the passage that Rhonda just read for us. Um, And it is worth noting uh, that Jesus has already been baptized uh, when we read this text. Um, We're going to read John chapter 3, which is after Jesus was baptized. Uh, Then we'll go to Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus was baptized. And then we'll go to John 1, where Jesus hasn't been baptized yet. So... Uh, Let's read this together. We'll read 22 through 30 again. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anan near Salem. Because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized, this was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one who you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom uh, waits and listens for them, or for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. 
He must become greater, and I must become less. Now, there's a few things that I want to note in this passage. And and to be honest, there are a lot of things that we could highlight and look at um, just in this short passage. But there's just a few that I want to look at uh, for now as we study this. Uh, What was John doing? Well, in verse 23, it says he was baptizing And Jesus was doing the same somewhere else. What's the tension? Well, an argument developed between some of uh, John's disciples about ceremonial washing. And they even say there are more people going to Jesus to be baptized. Like, everybody's going to him. And John John just sort of tries to relax them, like, "Hey, hey, hey, bros, it's cool. Like, it's fine. Like, this guy's the real deal. This, this, this is okay. And then at the end, he has this really, really powerful statement where he says, he must become greater and I must become less. And as I was reading that, I had to remind myself that it seemed like John has some sort of authority. Like, if Jesus got to become greater and he's got to become less, he does seem to have a little bit of authority. Which helps us remember who John was. But it also just put in my mind, what is with this idea of authority? Have you ever noticed the New Testament has a lot of times it mentions authority? Uh, There was a time that Jesus performed a miracle, and right after he did that, everybody said, by what authority do you do these things? There was a time he was teaching, and after he, t- he taught, the people would say, man, he speaks as if he has some authority. And then right before Jesus goes to heaven, what does he say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So as I was studying this, I was just reminded, you know, John did have some authority that seemed to be given to him from God. He had followers. He was a teacher. People followed him. And what is so powerful to remember is the statement that John makes. He understands his role quite well, and he understands that, you know what? Jesus has to become greater, and I have to become less. So if you kept the spot in Matthew chapter 3, we'll flip there. um, And we'll see the same reverence that John has for Jesus in this passage. We'll read verses 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So again, what's the tension? Well, John was trying to stop Jesus 
from baptized, being baptized by him. He even says to Jesus, you know, I'm not worthy. Like, you should be baptizing me, and yet you come to me. And Jesus kind of relaxes him and says, you know what, this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. And then we just get this beautiful imagery after Jesus is baptized of him coming up out of the water, being lit up, and the Spirit of God descending down on him and a loud voice that affirms Jesus as the Son of God. So this morning we're talking about how John prepared the way for Jesus. And I think there's three key things that I want to take away from how John prepared the way for Jesus well. Number one, John understood who John was. I always think we need to be reminded of who we are. I always need to be reminded of who I am. Because there are seasons in life where we go through where we think we know a whole lot more than we actually do. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, please don't raise your hand, how many of you have ever gone through seasons that are long where you've relied on your own strength and your own wisdom to get you through difficult times or to make decisions for your family only to realize that God is the source of all knowledge. And, and for us as parents, we need to remember that when our kids have questions, pointing to Jesus for, as the source of all knowledge is really, really important. You see, John does this pointing to Jesus thing really, really well because he understood who he was, or at least who he wasn't. He says clearly, I am not the Messiah. You know, last week John mentioned uh, that if anybody had reasons to boast, it was John. Jesus said clearly, of everyone born of a woman, no one is greater than John. But as Jesus approached, John did something really, really key. He humbled himself. He realized, you know what? I'm not the Messiah. And why are you coming to be baptized by me? You should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. So Jesus points to Jesus really, really well. He, He prepares the way for all of us by helping us understand who we are. John understood who John was. So church, let's lose our egos. Let's stop focusing on our status in this community, in this world, and let's remember, like John did, that we are a child of God. Let's look through the world through the lens of Scripture and remember we are not the Messiah. We are not the ones saving others. And let's really consider John the Baptist. Like, as a church, let's consider. Like, if we saw a wild man in the wilderness eating weird things and dressing funny and proclaiming the name of Jesus, would we even give him the time of day? Like, let's really think about that. 
I feel like we would just roll our eyes at somebody like that. And Jesus says clearly, he is the greatest to be born. Even if we didn't roll our eyes, it would certainly make us uncomfortable, right? And in no way am I saying that I'm a master at this myself or really understand who I am all the time. But I want us to ask ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are. And I want to ask a really blunt question. What would happen if all of us would actually get back to the scriptures and remind ourselves of who we actually are? I think here at MCA, we would probably start to resemble that vibrant community that we're always talking about. And again, I am not pointing fingers, but I think we need constant reminder of who we are. John understood this well. He remembered that he was a child of God. And then while we remember who we are, let's understand who God is. You see, John understood who God was. So number one, John understood who John was. Number two, John understood who Jesus was. In chapter one of uh, the gospel of John, verses 26 and 27, uh, John is talking to the Pharisees, and he's being questioned, um, and he says, he says this. He says, I, am bapti- I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Have, you don't have to be very worthy to untie somebody's shoes and take them off. Do we understand the God that we serve this morning? Do you understand the power, the authority, the majesty of the God that we serve? So often, Jesus is viewed as our best bro that helps us get to the old man upstairs who who loves us and gives us nice things when we ask him for it. And yes, of course, he loves us. But that love is best understood when we grasp the might of our God. You know, in Matthew, at the crucifixion account, uh, when, uh, when Jesus is dying, the earth is dark. And he dies, and there is a great earthquake. And there is a, uh, there is a veil in the temple that tears from top to bottom And dead saints just start walking on out of their graves and down into the city of Jerusalem. That's wild. And that's our God. In Revelation, when the new city of Jerusalem is, is made, it says that God's glory will shine so brightly that we won't even need a sun. Now, it's been winter for us for a long time. We don't remember how warm the sun can be. But picture the glory of God shining so brightly, we don't need a sun. We cannot fathom the God we serve. And like John, we are not even worthy to untie his sandals. Have you ever taken someone's shoes off? 
Imagine not feeling worthy enough to do that. And yet, he loves us. Even as we are fallen and sinful, God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place, paying the price for our sin and taking away our shame because of the things that we have done. Like, who are we? in comparison to the God of the universe. I certainly hope that you have faith in Christ. And if you don't, please talk to somebody afterwards. Talk to somebody. Uh, find me. Talk to somebody, someone. So who are we? We are children of God. Who is our God? An all-powerful, majestic god that was and is and will forever be. And even in his divine glory, a loving and gracious father. So as we land, I really only have one, uh, one more big point. John prepared the way well because John was obedient to God. You see, John could have elevated his own name. But he chose not to. He lifted up the name of Jesus. And he wasn't the Messiah. He was human. He could have bought into what so many of us try to do to elevate ourselves. But he doesn't. In chapter 27 of John chapter, or in verse 27 of John chapter 3, John responds to the concerned disciples. Remember, they were concerned because more people were going to, to, to Jesus than they were there. He says, a person can receive only what is given from heaven. And this morning, I want you to remember, you have been given what you need to forward the mission of Christ. Which is why we live. This is why we exist. And so many times we seek significance. And to rise in rank and status. I was actually going to put a ladder up here. But um, I decided not to. So I'm going to ask all of you to use your imaginations. I want you to picture a ladder sitting right here. um, Or really anything that goes to a higher place. And I want you to look at this ladder with me, and I want you to picture at the top of this ladder the thing that you think will give you the most significance in your life. What in your life do you want so bad that that will make you feel like you you are now important? And, And it shouldn't be that hard for us to think about because we think about it a lot, right? But I want you to think about it at the top of that ladder. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a bigger house. Maybe when you finally get that house you wanted, you'll feel important. You'll feel good about inviting people over because you've got a nice place to, to, to have. Maybe it's that job promotion that you so desperately want. Maybe it's more money. Maybe all your friends have the new Jordans and you want the new Jordans. 
Like, whatever is at the top of that ladder, I want you to think about what that is. And all your time is spent looking at the prize at the top of this ladder, and you spend your days thinking only of this and how you can take the next step and the next step and the next step to achieve that thing that you think will give you significance. And once you get to the top, what do you find? A long fall to the bottom. And if there's anybody else there, they don't care. Oh, cool, you got a new house. You got a new this. Wow, great. But when you spend all of your time trying to think of how to get to the top of this ladder and how to get that next thing that will give you significance, all you'll find is a long fall to the bottom. Be okay being at the bottom of the ladder. You see, Jesus didn't live this way. He climbed down the ladder to come and serve the least of these, to to give a message of hope and redemption to the people that would hear him. So are you climbing this ladder, trying to get to the top? The thing is, Jesus came down and he didn't need anything. He didn't need anything from us. But he chose to come and minister to us. And what did John say? God has given me the significance that I need, basically. He said, I've been given from heaven everything that I need. I can only get what I've been given from heaven. And he was obedient to what he was being asked to do. And he even says, he must become greater and I must become less. For some of you, You need to hear that this morning. I am sure that some of you think there isn't anything significant at the bottom of the ladder. There isn't anything exciting. And I am sure that some of you feel like everybody else is on the front lines of the action and you're just stuck day in and day out going to a job that just you hate. I wonder how many of you stay-at-home moms feel like all you do is go back and forth changing a diaper only to have to change another one an hour later and another one an hour after that. You know, an interesting thing about those of you who feel like what you're doing doesn't matter is that nothing is insignificant in your life when it is done for the significance of the cause of Christ. Let me say that again. Nothing in your life is insignificant if it is done for the significance of the cause of Christ. You know, John the Baptist wasn't significant because he elevated himself. He was significant because he was obedient to what God called him to do. And for those of you feel like you're stuck in that dead-end job or, or the teachers that are tired or the parents that are de- dealing with a wayward child, be obedient to the ways that God is asking you to be, no matter how big, no matter how small. And take courage. Take courage this morning. 
Because the most significant opportunities of your life lie in your ability to be obedient in the small ways with wholehearted intensity for the cause of Christ. So how do we prepare the way for Jesus? Well, let's remember who we are, church. We are not the Savior. We are not the Messiah. People are saved through the name of Christ alone. By placing their faith in him. And let's remember who our God is. A consuming fire. Powerful and matchless. The actual savior of this world. That we can actually have a relationship with them. Because he is our loving heavenly father as well. And lastly, let's be obedient to what God is asking us to do. No matter how big, no matter how small, all for the glory of the risen King. Father, this morning, I confess that I so many times have thought about my status in this world. And Father, like so many people here before, before me, others have done this before as well. But Father, we remember together who we are. Your children. Image bearers of you. To make your name known. And Father, we remember who you are. An almighty all-powerful, matchless, and loving Heavenly Father. And Father, we look to you in humble obedience to go where you have called us to go, to do what you have called us to do, no matter how big, no matter how small. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and it is in his name we pray together. Amen.